Hey, good morning. And uh, Pastors Christian and Heath here. And uh, we're going to go through a new series entitled Home Church. And if you have your Bible, turn with us to uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 29. And we're going to study the Word uh, this morning together as a family uh, all across uh, LaSalle Parish, Louisiana, or even uh, across the United States and the world, wherever you are. We're glad you're streaming in with us. But hey, let's talk about this just a little bit. We are having uh, church in the home, and Pastor Christian and I, we're going to discuss the Word of God, and I hope that wherever you are, whenever we're done, hey, you can discuss it uh, with your family or those closest to you, and uh, apply it to your life. And so, hey, so the problem, uh, Pastor Christian, that we're talking about here today is sometimes we rely on the church, when I mean church, like the program of the church, uh, to find our connection to God. And while that's great, and it's a good resource and a tool, now in the time that we're living in, all that seems to be stripped away, and many families are quarantined in their home, having church, uh, whether podcast or video, and the question is, how healthy are we really? How healthy are we without having all of these programs and, and uh, our t service times and our retreats and our conferences? If it's just me and my family, how can I measure my spiritual health? So uh, sometimes we rely on that social setting uh, to keep us motivated, whether it be our friends, our parents, our, our family, uh, but where do we stand? So uh, today we're going to talk about uh, putting the Word in the worship back in God, uh, back in the home. So uh, let's talk about Hezekiah for a minute. I'm going to give it, give a... Uh, Give us the overview here, and then me and we can discuss it, and then hopefully we'll all discuss it together. So, 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1. Here's what it says, down to verse 5. It says, The Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Abijah, and the daughter of Zechariah. He did right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them into the square on the east. He said to them, Listen to me, O Levites, consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the house of the Lord of the God of your fathers and carry the uncleanness out from the holy place. Okay, so here's this guy, Hezekiah. He's living in a time of a divided kingdom. Uh, so we've got the northern kingdom of Israel uh, in the north, and then the southern kingdom, Judah, in the south. Hezekiah is the 13th king of Judah, right? And so uh, he comes in in a day when Assyria is in power, Micah and Isaiah and Hosea are prophesying, and his dad is really evil, right? So his, his dad has uh, put in idols everywhere, filled the temple of the Lord uh, with all kinds of pagan stuff, even used the silverware in the house of the Lord for like pagan festivals and stuff. And so he takes these Levites, these uh, ministers of God who have not ministered to the Lord in a long time. He challenges them and says, guys, we've got to be consecrated to the Lord. And so he says, let's go in the temple, clean everything, sprinkle it with blood, anoint it with holy water, pull everything out of the temple that should never have been there, go destroy it, and let's put everything in its rightful order. And then the next part, we won't read it, but just I'll summarize. It says they, he assembled the princes and the priests, made a sacrifice for their sin offerings. He covers the whole nation's sin uh, with the blood of the Lamb. And they lay their hands on 
this thing called the scapegoat, where they pray and say, hey, put all of our sins in us, and send them out to the wilderness. And so the entire nation uh, is prayed over, covering the blood, and God holds his wrath of judgment, all right? And uh, let's look at 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 6, because it says a, a couple of things about them, about his heart. 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 6. Here's what it says. <clears throat> It says that, and the Lord was, or sorry, for he clung to the Lord, he did not depart from following him, but he kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses, and the Lord was with him. Wherever he went, he prospered. He even rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. And in verse 10 in Chronicles, it says that, Hezekiah told the Levites, he said, man, my heart is to make a covenant uh, to God. So here's my question, Pastor Christian. Here's my question, and for us uh, today to apply. All right, how does a guy who has never been in a family that served the Lord, his dad's like this pagan evil guy, and he comes in, and there's something inside of his heart that despite the social context that he finds himself in, it says that he was motivated to make a covenant. It was in his heart to make a covenant to God. In fact, that he clung to the Lord, that he cleaved to the Lord, so, in a day like today, how is it that we are sometimes, we're so, um, we're influenced, right? So, you've right. been influenced by your family, and I've been influenced by my family. So, uh, however we grew up, that's sometimes what influences, or what our family is, or our social context. All right, look, now we're in a time, we're all stuck at home, <laughs> right. okay? So, I don't have my church to influence me maybe anymore, or maybe I've been put in a place where my influence is negative. Maybe my family doesn't serve the Lord. What does it take for someone inside of themselves to motivate not only themselves, but maybe even their family to say, you know what, it's in my heart that we would get all in, you know, to Jesus. Uh, I don't know, you have any thoughts on, on that? I think it's important that we really... During this time, you know, we're all we we I, especially for myself. I've grown up in a time where you know I always went to church. We always went to church. That's just what we did, and we rely on this right. this idea of the building being the church. When really, that's right. not the way it's supposed to be, because we all know that the church. Well, now we know we should know that the church is a people, not a place. Right. And so now we're almost forced into a time of where we're really having to figure out this whole thing. Maybe we can't rely on, on Pastor Heath or Pastor Christian to really give us the, you know, come to a place and give us a good word and to see worship. And we're having to figure out, man, what is, what is this really church thing about? Right. And what is it for my family? Um, and so I think it's important that now we, we really, maybe we need to reevaluate some things. Maybe we've Dependent on the church too much, or dependent on a pastor. I'm sorry, right? Uh, to give us a good word, or to watch some worship and different things like that. So you know, it it you know, in the time that we live, we've got to figure out what really is the church. It's not about a building. It's not about a place or a program or anything, but it's about God's people drawing themselves closer to Him. Right. And Hezekiah, he's saying, there is something inside of me that knows. I've, I've, maybe he read the scriptures, you know, on his own that day. He said, you know what, we're not doing this. And so I think it, for us, the first thing I would challenge our people are, hey, me and my family, are we doing this? 
without anybody's influence. He's like, I don't care what my daddy did. I don't care what the rest of the world's doing. Hey, am, am I doing this? Am I looking at this word and living it out? And he said, I want my family to be covered under the blood. And that's what they did. So for us, it's saying, let's take step one, examine my life. Is, do I have a heart that is motivated towards God despite anybody else? And am I leading my family to be under the blood? Okay, so that's the first part. Let's look at the second part. So let's go on to 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 25. Uh, it says that he stationed the Levites in the household with cymbals and harps and lyres, and according to the command of David and Gad the king's seer and of Nathan the prophet, and the command was from the Lord throughout his promise. He says, the Levites stood with the musical instruments of David. So they brought back the old stuff. And the priest with the trumpet. And Hezekiah gave the order to offer the burnt offerings on the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song to the Lord also began with trumpets accompanied with instruments of David, king of Israel. And it says, while the whole assembly worshipped, the singer sang, the trumpet sounded. And this continued until the burnt offering was completed. And now at the completion of the burnt offering, the king and all who were present with him bowed down and worshipped. Okay, so... You go on even from there. Now, because of their personal response, so, hey, God has saved us. We have been under the blood. We're coming back to God. It says that they all just kind of broke out in spontaneous worship. And then they, even further, it says that they began to bring free will offerings. That people, now that the main offering had been made, you know, the lamb had been made for their sin, now they began to bring their very best. I mean, hundreds and thousands of Offerings were made to the Lord, almost so that it, it, it overwhelmed the king and even overwhelmed the priest. It says that uh, if you go on in verse uh, chapter, uh, chapter 29, verse 34, and even further, it says that the, because the priests weren't even ready for this, so many priests weren't even purified, that the Levites, who had had a heart for the Lord, began to even do priestly duties. So they weren't supposed to do that. But they, they did because, man, so they needed so much help with all of the stuff that was involved in sacrifices. And so here you have a time where God begins to uh, qualify the called, right, to have a heart for him. And I think here's the, the question I have for that is, all right, number one, is my worship life, uh, is my worship a response to my salvation? All right? Sometimes worship becomes, in a church service, this cheerleading. Hey, right. you're welcome to church. you got to get pumped up for it. It says it's worship. But here, we find people, because of the blood of the Lamb, I am motivated of my own accord to worship. They're bringing, no one's telling them to worship. No one's telling them to sacrifice. They just do. So there's one part. To examine ourselves. How, how is my response? to the blood of Jesus. And then the second part would be, now, there were so many people, you know, that, hey, people began to see you worship, like, for instance, if you're in that story, people began to see you worshiping God, they got inspired. They got inspired from the sacrifice. So now they come to worship God. It overwhelms uh, the process, and so now it's not, not just the professional paid staff can do this. Now, we need all of God's people, you know, to be ministers. And so, okay, so now we're in this thing. Uh, I'm not with my pastor. I can't go forward for prayer, you know, in a church service. Um, but I have neighbors. I have friends. I have family that I'm in contact with. Uh, and I think the question for 
moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas is, hey, sometimes we look to the paid professionals, the, the priests, uh, but when the moment is overwhelming, uh, all of God's people are called. If you are saved, you can lead people to God. You can serve by leading people to God. So if you're saved, you can serve. So uh, what does that look like for today? How am I being the priest of my family? How am I worshiping God on my own right. without any external motivation, you know, right? So, like, what does that look like? Right. I think, I think right now... We are in we are in a place where we've never been before, or, or I've never seen in my lifetime. You know, I'm 23 years old. I know we've seen it before in the world, but I have not. And so for me, uh, we're living in a time like of where we really got to figure out like what is maybe even what my worship looks like because everybody they they worship differently. Whether that's in song, whether that's in giving, whether that's in, with their time, treasure, talents, they worship in different ways. So how is my family? How are we going to glorify God in this season of our life where, where everything is stripped away? We're getting back to the basics of, of what the church was supposed to be to right. begin with. Absolutely. We don't have lights. We don't have music. We don't have anything. But I'm with my family. I see my neighbors across the fence. And how are they going to see me as, as the man of God, as the leader of our household, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas? How is my family going? Are they going to see me in fear? Are they going to see us? Oh well, well, we don't have a place to go, so we're not. We're just not going to do church, right? Right. Or am I going to take a stand? Am I going to say, you know, I, I'm not taking a break, but I'm going to go deeper with my family and worship in the Word. And and even though on Sunday mornings I'm not getting up to go to uh, the church building, right. we're still going to be the church. Right. I'm going to take a stand, and we're going to. We're going to do this thing, and I'm going to show the world that the church is not about a building, but about a people. Right. And my family. And my family. I'm the priest of my family as, as the spiritual head of my home. And single moms, the same way. Just because you're not a paid man, professional pastor, uh, single mom, single dad, grandma, grandpa, whatever. We are the priests of our family. And so our challenge for our people uh, on that portion is, hey, how are we the priests of our home? Have I relied too much on the paid professionals? And what happens when they're gone? So let's look at the next part. All right, so let's talk about the next one, Passover. Okay, so the people, uh, because of all this stuff that's going on, they've covered themselves in the blood, and they're having free will offerings, and the Levites are not making any sessions. So they want to celebrate Passover. Passover is normally on uh, the first month, the 15th day, but now we're in the second month, almost to the 14th day. And the Bible says in, in chapter 30, verse 3, that it seemed right to them. It was in their heart, man, we want to celebrate uh, the Passover lamb. We want to celebrate what God did in the past and what he's done today. That he's covered us with his blood. The wrath of God has passed over us. So I'm going to summarize just kind of some of this because it's all in this a couple chapters here. It says they send out letters. Uh, to the lower part of the kingdom, Judah, and so much so they sent it even into the northern kingdom, even when they were, but to the pagan people now, they're sending it even to the people who had fallen away from God. And some of them mocked it, but then others even came. So here they are, they get all this together, they begin to slaughter the Passover lamb, it's on the 14th day of the second month, instead of the 15th day of the first month, even to the degree that the, the priests who had not been cleansed began to repent 
and allow the Levites to consecrate them. And uh, even uh, it says that for seven days they celebrate with great joy, loud praise and worship, chapter 30, verse 21, and verse 23. They had seven days completion. Seven is a number of completion, but seven days of complete joy. So much so that it hadn't been seen into the, since the time of Solomon, right? So this is huge festival, huge feast. They've moved the time on it uh, to a time which, another day, it wouldn't even have been appropriate to do that. you got people serving who normally wouldn't normally be serving. And Hezekiah says, you know, guys, we need to keep the ministry to the Lord going. Let's make sure we're tithing in Jerusalem to function, you know, keep the function of this going. We want to minister to the Lord. So when he does that, people get so engaged in giving that people from the whole nation, not just that one city where he asked it, from the whole nation began to tithe and give a free will offerings to the Lord. It says that they had heaps upon heaps and amazed Isaiah, uh, Hezekiah. And uh, they people even began to remove their idols. They destroyed uh, uh, pagan imagery, even to the degree that in uh, Numbers 22, Moses had made this big serpent on a bronze stick, right? A bronze serpent on a stick. Where when Israel had sinned, God sent some snakes and they all bit them and they were dying. And God said, if you look to this serpent, uh, man, you'll be healed. In that pagan day, they had been uh, worshiping that snake instead of worshiping God. Right. So what was a good thing in its day had become an idol uh, idolatry. So Hezekiah, think about this, he is willing to sacrifice something that was once good for what was best today. All right? So uh, I don't even know... Like, just the thought of that, man, he, he destroyed something Moses made. But because even though it was good, it had become a distraction. And so here's the application for me in this time. Uh, number one, for me and my family, are there anything that are that is religious idols that may have been good in their day, but have become a distraction? I think about the things that uh, the modern church often does. We often push people to get them. We want the most social media likes. You know, we want people to follow our podcast. We want our pa pastor to be popular. We want to have the best stage designs. We want to have the best worship teams. Uh, we want to have the best retreats and conferences. And all that can be good, but if it has become a distraction, here we have people removing even what was once good. Right. And, and, I mean, you talk about how people... Uh, growing up, you, didn't, they, you know, to get rid of the piano or to get rid of hymn books or whatever. I mean, that was like, uh, don't touch the sacred hymn book, right. right? Here we have something Moses made in the wilderness, and he destroys it for the sake of people getting connected with God. I think that's powerful. Yes. And then the second thing there is uh, they moved the date of Passover. And here in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about moving the date of Easter if we're still not able to meet as a church. We may be celebrating Easter into the summer, and part of us as religious people can say, well, you can't, you can't do that because that's Easter's date. Well, was my heart really going to be all in to celebrating Easter on that day? Anyway, is it about the date, or is it about celebrating the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ? Right. And so uh, sometimes good things like church services, when we move them out of the way, like these people, we need to ask ourselves, where is our true <clears throat> joy and motivation? These people were ecstatic 
without all the graven images, without all the religious services, even moving the date, they had seven days of loud, crazy worship uh, because they got back to what it's all about. Right. So, what do you think about applying that? I think that for us, you know, it, it, it applies almost in the same way. You, you talked about how, you know, Easter, here in a few weeks, what are we going to do? We've been asked, what are we going to do for Easter? You know, like, that's the day we have Easter every single year. This is the day. But are we going to allow that date or that time to come between us experiencing God? Or are we going to say, you know what? It doesn't matter whether or not it's, it's on a certain day at a certain time. I should be in my home doing this every single day. I'm celebrating the risen Christ, the one who died for my sins so that I could be saved. And so for, for us today, maybe it's, maybe it's that, you know, we're, we, everything is getting stripped back to the basics. We don't have a church. We're not going to a church building. We don't have good lighting. We don't have a worship team. Everything is being stripped back to the basics. And we're saying, okay, in our homes, how are we going to be right. the church? Exactly. And maybe that's, for, for us, maybe it's, maybe it's we get rid of TV time. Or, or limit, our, or limit our, our, our time on Facebook or Instagram and, and say, you know what, kids, I don't care, you know, whether or not this is what we would normally do. I'm going to take a stand to be the priest of my home. We're going to strip back some things because right. I care about us growing closer to, and knowing and having a fresh revelation of who Jesus is, who God is. And that's the way we're going to do it. Um, so for us, I think it's, you know, we're, we're really going to have to get back to the basics. And it's not going to be about pastors. It's not going to be about, it shouldn't be anyway, but it's not going to be about us to lead, uh, lead along the way. But it's going to come to a time, we're already in a time where it's parents, we're going to have to step up. Right. And we're going to have to be the true priest of our home, not rely on a pastor or worship team to, to really worship God. And we're going to have to figure out who we are as the church. Well, hey, this is our challenge to you uh, from the first part of our series, Home Church. Uh, we are talking today about putting worship and the Word back in home. And like Hezekiah, it means to examine my heart and say, is my heart towards making a connection with God? Am I cleaving and clinging to God? What is my religious motivation? Are there any idols in me uh, that I need to push away and push back and say, man, those are good things, but how is my personal response of worship? How is my personal response of giving? How is my personal response of investing my life in serving the Lord? And so while everything's stripped away this week, we challenge you to do a few things. One, at the next, after this video ends, take a moment and discuss this with someone else. Take a moment and pray. Examine your heart and see where you and God really are. How healthy are you spiritually? How are you in the Word? How are you worshiping the Lord? When everything else and all other social influences have fallen to the side, saying, God, as for me and my house, me personally, we are going to serve you. And we're praying for you if you need anything along the way. Feel free to message us online at sanctuaryfwc.com or find us on Facebook at sanctuaryfwc. We love you. We're praying God's best for your life. We'll be with you through this whole time. Hey, thanks for listening uh, or watching online uh, to our latest video. Hey, we want to challenge you right now. Take a moment and examine yourself and say, Hey, am I 
uh, person? Is my heart motivated towards God? Am I a person whose heart is clinging and cleaving to Him? That's number one. Number two is take a moment and examine not only just yourself, but your family. Pray together. Take a moment and pray together. And each night this week, pray together as a family or in the morning, whatever works for you, that you and your family can be connected to God. Along with that is number three, be in the Word of God. Find a devotional life. Find a book. Find a resource, even you version, that you and your family can go through this journey on being more like Jesus Christ. And parents, I encourage you, find us on Facebook and online, even on our Right Now Media at SanctuaryFWC.com. And there are kits and tools for you and your children to have Kids Church right after this moment every single Sunday. And lastly is this. Be the church how God has called you to be the church. Give online. Give to your local food bank. Give to your neighbors. Find some way to be the church. And then you, if you have a small group, you can connect with them at sanctuaryfwc.com slash home groups, and we're going to connect you in virtual meeting times. But at the end of the day, how can you continue to be the church either through prayer, through word, through giving, through hearing the Holy Spirit, and connecting with others in ways that, man, people can see this is a person who has a heart that's motivated towards God.